0: Welcome to another flashback episode of Pop Shield. I'm Daniel, and uh, since on our last episode we talked about Radiohead's King of Limbs and Tom York's The Eraser, we thought we'd bring you two reviews from our old, former podcast, Metaphoric Music Review. First up is our review of the OK Not OK reissue box set of uh, Radiohead's OK Computer. And after that, uh, we'll bring you our review of A Moon-Shaped Pool. Hope you enjoy it.
1: First review this week, Radiohead's OK, Not OK. Just to remind you, though, when Pitchfork reviews things, they review them on a 0 to 10 scale, somewhere around 8.2 or 8.3. They give it a BNM if it's a new release or a BNR if it's a reissue of an old album, anthology, greatest hits, something like that. So, Darren, what do we got? Up first, Radiohead, OK Computer, OK, Not OK,
2: 1997 2017, which was reissued by Excel and on Thursday got a Perfect 10 BNR in a review by Jason Green where to begin uh (laughs) just about everybody knows and loves radiohead's 1997 masterpiece okay computer but it's easy to forget just how important this record really is essentially it represents the turning point that's given rise to this whole quote thing of ours to borrow a phrase from the sopranos Mm -hmm. independent music obviously existed long before radiohead and of course radiohead were never technically an independent band But OK Computer marked the moment that indie, whatever that actually means, became an identifiable movement and began to take over popular music. In fact, Pitchfork put themselves on the map by naming Radiohead and OK Computer the benchmark for what independent music ought to be. There's no Arcade Fire, Animal Collective, LCD sound system, etc. without OK Computer. What makes this 20th anniversary expanded reissue so interesting, then, is the inclusion of three previously unreleased tracks that provide some insight into just how different Radiohead's third album could have been we'll try to hash that out in a minute here but the new remaster of the original album also gives us a chance to revisit this classic and possibly hear it in an entirely new light so let's i guess recap our history with radiohead and specifically ok computer
0: yeah uh never heard of them um <laughs> 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 yeah i mean i think we've talked about radiohead before you know we were we reviewed uh Moon-shaped pool we we talked about uh our uh, favorite radiohead albums i think on on that episode and stuff um you know, I, I, I love them. Uh, I yeah. love this record. I, I don't think I'm quite as big of a fan as uh, uh, maybe you two are,
1: but, uh, you know, they're still uh, a great, great band. Yeah, this was like my fucking band when I yeah. <laughs> you know, was uh, coming to uh, enlightenment, musical enlightenment or whatever, high school, maybe 10th, 10th grade or something. I mean, when I discovered OK Computer, I couldn't stop. And I just obsessively listened to every radiohead thing possible for several years. Um you know kind of burned myself out to be honest like uh, this was i realized it's my first time listening to okay computer in quite a while um but they were like my number one they changed my life you know like as much as nirvana or you know anything godspeed more than that even like anything did
2: yeah i mean i i don't know what else to really add it's pretty much been the same experience um you know it's hard to think what what Life would be with if like Radiohead just didn't exist, you know. Um, I I remember kind of obsessing over them and and watching my my play counts on on iTunes just Uh. go up and up and (laughs) up, and and, and always always seeing Radiohead at the top. I, I was just.
1: I don't know what else to say. I remember I used to, like, I used to look through, like, um, you know, like, Hail to the Thief or something. I would just see, like, oh, I haven't listened to the gloaming as much as the other songs. So I just would listen to the gloaming, like, ten times in a row or something. Like, I just had to... It's dedication. ...contain them. Yeah. Um... Okay. Yeah. So, do you think it's possible to describe the sound of OK Computer? <laughs> I mean, that's uh, it's honestly so hard. I mean, it, it's it's
0: really almost as hard uh, as when we had to try to describe what Sergeant Pepper sounded like. Know. Uh, you know, to somebody who's who's never heard Sergeant Pepper. This is kind yeah. of uh, that album of of the the time period of the the nineties, I think. And yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess I guess we can we assume that that people that they've heard creep before and they've just never gone beyond <laughs> creep. because um, it doesn't sound anything like that. You know, uh, Radiohead was like sort of this just like alt rock, uh, you know, band that was very, very much on the path of being a one hit wonder. And then, you know, they come out with the bends, which is like slightly, you know. I mean, it's, it's definitely better than Pablo Honey, but it's still in that, you know, alt-rock-type uh, vein. And then this comes, and it's, like, some weird, like, mix of that and, like, electronics, but not so much, uh, you know, it's it's not like a, a techno record or anything, and and definitely not as, yeah. as electronic-y as uh, Kid A
1: will come to be. But it, it's just got this, like... Um, <sighs> it repurposes guitar rock for like this new like electronic world, this new technological exactly. world we're living in. Because mm-hmm. it it isn't an it's not an electronic album at all, really. I mean there are a couple synths, but it's mostly like a rock band and yet they've made guitars sound like, you know, some like otherworldly like, like so- thing. Like before, you know, Apple ads existed or something. Like somehow Johnny's like distorted guitar sounds like this clean, like perfect, you know, it's all like intentional, right? Like when they're sort of mocking you know this technological cookie cutter future they're imagining but you know he can make his guitar sound like some some apple ad and then like totally destroy it Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't know what would you add darren god um i mean I i
2: think you guys were like pretty much hitting it spot on it is like guitar rock kind of filtered through this you know view of the future you know of of like a technological future because i mean it's hard to believe that this sound was happening in 1997 you know what i mean
0: like yeah it doesn't it doesn't sound like 1997 (sighs) you know at at all it doesn't at all it's it's still very much like fresh uh today like like gabe this 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 was the first time i had listened to this album in you know probably a couple of years at least and it, it, it just it still sounds new and uh you know it, it's timeless it's it, this is like the definition of a classic it's just, yeah
2: you know? it, it's otherworldly like it's mm-hmm. on a different plane everyone else is somewhere. you know it's it's not like new
1: old or anything it's just like it's radiohead like they are just above
2: yeah. everyone else you know
1: yeah yeah and, and this record gets compared to um dark side of the moon a lot and i think uh, just like sergeant peppers it's like it has that kind of effect on you you know you can we can all remember being in you know ninth grade or whatever and hearing dark side for the first time i mean this record does that but it, it'll kind of like continue to do that i think um you know it did that for me this week but i don't know i guess maybe this is a good time to sort of switch into the remaster and i guess we can kind of try to keep talking about the album itself as we do that but you know we got a, we got a new remaster which is weird right because didn't this album sound perfect before yeah, I mean, we, you know,
0: this wasn't an album. Before I knew this was coming out, if you told me to give you a list of, of records I, I would love remasters of, I would never even think <laughs> of of this record because it's it's never sounded like 1997. Um, it, it sounds mm.
2: timeless, and it, and it I, I think it kind of sounded fine before. Well, that's something that's just special about Radiohead. I mean, Nigel Godrich, the uh, the producer, right. I, he is just masterful with sound i mean it is it is incredible Mm -hmm. to think that something that came out in 1997 still sounds like just amazing i mean you don't you there's no tape hiss there's no like distortion i mean i can't think of i cannot think of really anything that was like flawed with with the sound there
1: yeah so it was i mean very you know surprising to me that they were going to remaster it and then I don't know, I got kind of excited, but what what were your guys' like first thoughts on that first listen of a new master, of of an album we've all heard like a million times? Yeah.
2: For me, I felt like I was just, I was sort of like desperately trying to hear the good stuff or hear something new. You know what I mean? I, I was just, yeah, maybe yeah. I was just a little bit of a, being a bit of a fanboy or something. I was like, man, this is, sounds amazing, but honestly, <laughs> it, it kind of always sounded that way. I don't even know, I don't know what I'm hearing. It's just... It's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I basically
0: feel exactly the same way, Darren. I, you know, we it came out the night like right after we finished la- the last episode of the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I just I, I laid in bed and uh, listened to it in like my real nice uh, studio headphones, mm. and yeah, I just kind of I was I was maybe reaching a little bit, uh, you know, to to to, <laughs> to to I wanted it to be like this, you know. Like, hearing it the fir- for the first
2: time. Like and, a new... Ex- exactly. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. and I did. I That first night, I kind of did think that, and it, it wasn't until I, I you know, kind of did a comparison of the two
1: that I, I saw that it, it, it really wasn't <laughs> that
0: drastically different.
1: Yeah, it's not drastically different, but I, I had, like, a weird experience, because I, I, I also put it on, you know, um, my nice studio headphones, I was listening in lossless on Tidal, um, <laughs> And it was weird because, like, it was the first time that... So, so basically, they've kind of, like, spread out the the instruments a little mm-hmm. bit on every track. It's like the panning is wider. It's much harder, and yeah. It's, it's easier to hear things individually. And it's like... <clears throat> I don't know. Airbag sounded like... More like a rock band and less like an otherworldly thing. I, I was like... Yeah, I wanted it to be the best thing ever. But I was like... I never noticed how... Much to this sounds like like a rock band with, with guitars before. Not that it's like so drastically different. I mean, I think most people will barely notice. But I, I, I mean, I swear to God, I've listened to every track on OK Computer so many times that I don't know. It just sounded like a little more rough around the edges. It's almost like with the original mix of this record, I liked that it was a, it was a little bit like hard to di- distinguish things because it sort of meshed together into like this great sound. I mean, imagine Dark Side of the Moon if you could pick out every individual little thing. Doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose? Yeah, you want it to become, like, this
0: cohesive uh item. And it's not like the album before was, like, murky, and that's why you couldn't differentiate, right, right. you know? It just, it, it seemed like... It was, like, layered. Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly, layered. It, it, like, the panning was more centralized, uh, I think. And, I, I mean, maybe it's just because, I, you know, I, I, too, have listened to OK Computer for years and years and years and, like, know it so well that, you know, when you hear something different... I you know maybe this one is better, but I, I'm so ingrained in that old one that that it's not. But yeah. but I, I do I, I agree with you, um especially on like airbag. It, it sounds much more like a, a band playing, and I know that's what it is. But before it it, it right. really like kind of set up that that other world other worldliness of uh, OK Computer.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I I didn't really have a negative experience with it. I mean I think it was fine. It just didn't really. After listening to it repeatedly, um, it definitely didn't enhance anything. I I think, um, nor did it really seem to degrade it. I mean, you guys talk about the panning and stuff, but that wasn't really a problem for me. It was fine to me. This will probably be the way I I listen to the album um, moving forward. But it's Mm -hmm. not in a way. It's not as uh, revelatory, I guess, as like you know when the Beatles got remastered or (laughs) when we talk about Prince and stuff like that. That's like. Both of those are examples of like incredible, like changing the way you, you're hearing the album, mm-hmm. I guess. But in this example, it's just it's just not like that, you know.
1: Um, yeah, this record really got fucked because it I was I couldn't stop listening <laughs> to the Purple Rain remaster. <laughs> Same. Uh, we'll All right, we'll that save that. Week. Let's save it. Yeah,
2: next week. <laughs> um, so let's ju- let's get into like the uh, the bonus tracks and the B sides. I'm sure both of you guys are very familiar with the B sides that we um, that were on there. But uh, those first three tracks which were completely unreleased. And I assume neither one of you had heard a bootleg or a live version or anything. Um, What was your like initial impression of
1: those? So we talked about, I promise. And, you know, and, and I think I've maybe heard like clips of the, like live clips of these or something. I used to be like pretty obsessed. Kind of like Dan was with a Godspeed, like digging through bootleg recording stuff. But, It was kind of like hearing it in a new light, you know? What were those, like... uh, Remember, you had
0: all those, like, bootleg collections. Was it called, like, Towering Above the Rest? Was that it? Yeah, Uh, yeah. I remember always stealing those from your computer when we were younger.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I had heard some of this stuff. But um, it was pretty exciting to hear it. And, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I think we should talk about, like, is Pitchfork right? Because Pitchfork is making this big deal about, like... These tracks are very much like a continuation of the Benz sound. So we got to remember, like, you know, stuff like "High and Dry" and you know, "Fake Plastic Trees." Like these are big hits, you know, Mm -hmm. from the Benz, and they fit very comfortably in like mid '90s alternative rock radio. You know what I mean? They're definitely excellent songs that are like several notches above anything probably that was playing alongside of them. But Pitchfork was fucking opening for. Alanis Morissette like at that time and um that's not so crazy if you think about most people knew them from high and dry and fake plastic trees right so Pitchfork's whole theory is like stuff like Lift and I Promise are you know the band they could have been they could have just ran with that and been that kind of like sad alternative rock acoustic-y kind of thing and they probably could have sold like you know, a lot of records. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I I really would like to know, like, uh, what order these songs were recorded. Like, were these three songs recorded or, or maybe even written, like, before the rest of the record? Because it really, like, I I, I tried to think of, like... If the I was going to put these songs on the record, like where would they fit in? And yeah, I, I promise you could maybe kind of work in. I, I think it it wouldn't be a horrible like mm. closer. It would be better without it, I think. But you know, maybe you could work that one in. But the lift and Man of War, like you know, I could find a spot maybe on the bends for them. But yeah, I, I just I do not see where they would fit in here. So it, it just really. I'm, curious uh and probably we'll never get to know the answer but uh like what what order these were written and recorded and and everything in like what was this they almost went in this direction for real or were these you know maybe just to give the record label to keep them off their back or something you know
2: um I mean I wanna I kinda wanna talk about these three and then I wanna talk about the B sides. So like with these three, um, I was of the three I was obviously most impressed with I promise. I thought that was that kind of like stood out yeah, I agree. Uh, among the I agree three. Um, I think Man of War actually kinda has that that guitar riff is like a little spacey, it reminds me of like Subterranean a little bit. Um, yeah. so I feel like that has a little bit of like a okay computer flavor. But then when I got to lift and I had there was you know, Pitchfork was like talking about it, writing articles I was like, man, I cannot wait to hear this song. Like, it sounds <laughs> like it's just gonna blow me away. And I was like, so let down by it. Um, Ooh, you know, so uh, I it, like, yeah. Let down there. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why were you? Um, so I, I just felt like the verses were, you know, it was like, I don't know. It felt like a very weak B side or a very weak, uh, you know, um, I guess a B side. You know, it just wasn't like a f- complete finished thought. And I, I can see why maybe they just. You know, maybe they thought about revisiting it a few times, but just couldn't
1: couldn't bring anything out of it. Um, I mean, you read that thing right where Ed said that they maybe he's sort of you know not being totally serious, but that they like subconsciously sabotaged that song because they felt like it would become a huge hit. To me, it sounds like a huge mid nineties radio rock hit. Is it to you, Dan? Yeah, it it really does. And
0: that's the song I think that really, if they had gone that direction, you know, this this record would have just been. The bins 2-ish, and they would have just been one of those 90s yeah. alt-rock kind of bands, yeah.
2: But I think they would have been a lot more forgettable. Like, I feel like the oh, yeah, no, would no, have it, been a minor hit in the 90s, but it wouldn't have been, like, a... They would right, not be the right, band right, they you know, are today, no. Anything major. Right.
1: No. Well, if they didn't have OK Computer, you know, if, if it was just, like, The Bends, and, you know, we would know Fake Plastic Trees and High and Dry as, like, these really lovely gems mm-hmm. of the 90s, but that, that would be it, you know? Um... So, yeah, and it is weird. Like, if we talk about the B-sides, I mean, isn't it weird to me? Like, for one, I also have a hard time figuring out where any of these B-sides would could possibly fit in the album. Right. Um, they they also rely on, like, you know, hard alternative guitar type things more. Um, but also, like, they all, they're great. Radiohead's known for their great B-sides, but they all seem to, like, pale extremely in comparison to all the stuff that made the album it's like mm-hmm. did Absolutely they just right. happen to write only 12 like perfect songs
0: <laughs> yeah it's like the the b-side disc I, I i think i enjoyed the b-side disc more when i decided to listen to the b-side disc you know as its own thing when when i would go through yeah, the yeah. whole thing at once it, it really just kind of showed you how much less good these songs are than the songs that that made oh, OK right. Computer, but they're still like pretty good songs. Like if if these eleven you know bonus tracks were some other band's album, I think you know it would it would be like <laughs> yeah. you know it wouldn't be the yeah. greatest album in the world, but it would be like one of those kind of gem records from from the '90s that you would find and uh, you know fall in love with. I think, um, which is yeah, it's interesting
2: how this how this B side album it almost sounds like an
1: album itself, just obviously much weaker. Yeah. And um all right, I also wanted to ask about I mean like, you know, I was working on that little background information thing and like, you know, I really think like the world would be totally different. I mean, it's interesting because Radiohead is not an in- an independent band. And, you know, OK Computer was huge, right? It was like lauded and, you know, Rolling Stone, I'm sure they were on the cover. I mean it was huge. But for some reason, like okay computer became this like rallying cry of you know whatever this like scene was gonna be you know like the, the, what our what our podcast belongs to the stuff we've been listening to what pitchfork ended up doing i mean i i, I told the story before but when i first discovered pitchfork uh, to check if they were any good or not i looked up radiohead <laughs> it was like all great scores and then i looked up coldplay and it was all bad scores and i was like <laughs> finally the only critics like making any sense and you know like what do you agree with me like the the like, what would indie even be
0: without this album? No, I completely agree. I mean, I I, I think I said it, or at least alluded to it at the top. Uh, like, this is, I think, the Sgt. Pepper of the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, that without Sgt. Pepper, we, we wouldn't have gotten what we got later on. And I think without OK Computer, we would have gone in a different direction uh, with music. I, I think this is one of those, you know, rare albums that is... Uh, uh, you know a monument and and shifts the the way everything goes past it you know it's just like one of those records that is like in ines- inescapable like every every artist that started past okay computer has has heard it and like you know taken something from it i think you know just like sergeant pepper
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think it changed the landscape forever and, you know, music was just never going to be the same after a record like this. Um, One thing I did want to ask you guys in sort of listening to this a lot the past week, you know, I listened to it in a few different venues, you know, headphones out loud in the car with people and stuff. And I've always felt like, besides like you guys, obviously, it's very difficult to listen to Radiohead with, um, you know, just average I don't mean average people, I guess, but you plebs. know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, I'm not necessarily going to say plebs, but, uh, you know, I, I could have friends or family members listening right now, but, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, it, it, it showed, it really made me realize how much of like a singular experience Radiohead tends to be. And it's weird. Cause it's like, it's one of my favorite things, like my favorite right. album. And it's difficult to just turn, like, what song would you pick if you were like, Something on OK Computer, and you wanted to show somebody with just one song. Like, which one would you pick? Karma Police I mean, or Paranoid
1: Android? Yeah, Karma Police was a big hit, yeah. and then I think Paranoid Android was like a, was like a hit, moderate yeah. hit. But it. if it's somebody who's like at, at all, I don't know. You know, you could tell the kind of person that's that when Johnny's guitar slides in for the first time, if it's gonna like rock their fucking world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, like, if you if you know they're that kind of person. Show them that one. But otherwise I think Karma Police is a is a safe bet. But you're right. It's kind of weird how this album, you know, it's not like loaded with radio staples. You know right.
0: what I mean? But again, that's how Sergeant Pepper is, you know. Sergeant Pepper's not really loaded with radio singles. Uh you know, with a little help, is basically in yeah. uh, Lucy and the Scout of Diamonds. Those are Lucy, really the yeah, only like yeah. Beatles songs from that record that are on the radio with any like frequency
1: yeah that's true i mean you know but then you think about like dark side of the moon has like a bunch of well that album's garbage so well okay but Ooh. you know all right all right all right um but you know this record is kind of in that vein of that kind of a record but you're right it doesn't have like the little individual pieces and it's hard to be hard to convince somebody that uh, was uninitiated um but uh okay so to wrap it up i'm for one very glad that they didn't uh, they didn't follow the lift course and instead gave us this amazing album. My Am alone. No, I, I I completely agree with you there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I wanted more of like a Alanis Morissette style. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: If only they had made more Alanis Morissette type stuff.
0: All right, let's take a look back at our review of a moon shaped
2: pool. Yes, so our, our last record that we will be reviewing was a huge one um, from Radiohead. It was A Moon-Shaped Pool, which received a 9.1 Best New Music, which at the time was the highest-rated album by Pitchfork of the year. So there was definitely you know a ton of hype uh, surrounding this, which is just commonplace for any Radiohead release. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Everybody was freaking out, going crazy, tons of articles. Every little bit of information that came out was um, you know, being eaten up by all the fans. And, you know, heading up to this album, um, there's obviously a lot of talk about their last release, which was The King of Limbs. And, you know, I think we all kind of agree that initially when it came out, it was sort of treated as a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, I think the length of the album kind of was a problem for a lot of people. They felt like after so many... You know what was it? Four years since in rainbows they they gave us a relatively almost EP length yeah. uh, record. Yeah. But since then, you know, have have opinions been changing? I mean, how were? What, what did you guys think when you first listened to the record? I I never was that disappointed with King of Limbs. I kind of
0: like shorter albums. I uh, I have a short attention span, so I don't mind the short. <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind the short. Uh, Darren knows. It's, it's not that vigorously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I don't mind the shorter albums. That was never an issue with me, I, and I, I always like the songs. I, I've always liked King of Limbs. I don't. I never. I never really got that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know why, but I I just stayed up like all night. There were just all these rumors that it was going to drop, and I just literally stayed up all night. I was so excited, and I think it leaked like around like 6 a.m. or something. Like yeah, that, it was pretty early. Time. And I, you know, quickly downloaded it, started playing it you know, the sun was rising. I know this sounds really, like, (laughs) lame, but... A little bit, a little bit. I was so into it. It was, like, such a moment. I was just, like, listening to it, and it just has that... It has a sound that's sort of appropriate for that moment. I was sort of surprised how short it was, and I did get caught up in some of that hype about the rumors that there would be a part two, um, you know, the last track... Tom York is repeating, uh, if you think this is over, then you're wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. very short. Um, <clears throat> and people, you know, just built up, you know, I started finding clues everywhere yeah. where it was just total nonsense in retrospect, but kind of prevented people, I think from really like, in just enjoying the album and seeing what it was about itself. Um, I have noticed for sure that since then, I think people have started to warm up to it. And really find it very special. I think the instrumentation is really unique. It's it's got such a cool vibe. I think a couple of the songs to me get a little like they they overstay their welcome because it'll be like very simple, like a piano line that just goes and goes and very sparse. You know, it's just not as like endlessly rewarding. Um, but did you guys return to it? Did you guys check it out in, in anticipation of this record? And what did it sound like to you?
2: Yeah, I, I listened to it. Um Leading up to a moon shaped pool, and you know, kind of like what Dan said, I I liked it immediately right out of the gate, and my my opinion never really changed. I wasn't really disappointed with the length of it at all. Um, you know, I was I was really into like Lotus Flower when that one came out. I was so hyped on it, and then you know the album, I mean, was it you know did it hit me as hard as like some of the their other great albums? Maybe not, but you know the great thing about Radiohead and them being like. I like to think of them like a like a legacy band. I mean they've just been around so long. But every release there's just something different about it and you can really find something that you truly enjoy and like I, I think this one, the The King of Limbs specifically, um, you know, hit all the right right beats that I was looking for.
1: Yeah. I mean, but this one, totally opposite. Everybody seemed to love it right away. You know what I mean? Yeah, basically. But um, let's walk through our approach um what was it like hearing this this new radiohead record for the first time
0: i can't think of a time i've listened to a radiohead album maybe minus pablo honey and didn't just think it was a great album from the first time i heard it i again minus pablo honey i don't think they have a bad album and and this one's no different
1: yeah what about you Darren? was it immediately amazing um you know, burn the witch
2: was definitely immediately a song that I was like very much into. Of course that came out b- just before the album did yeah. itself. Um, so I was very excited about the rest of it, but you know, I have to say this was the first time I had listened to a Radiohead record and felt like, wow, I- I'm going to have to really try to dig into this and find something. Cause like, it just didn't strike me
1: yeah. right away. What about you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I totally agree with that. It, it took me a little work to get into it. You know, I remember putting on In Rainbows for the first time and just being blown away.
0: Well, like, I mean, 15 Step is just the... the yeah. It's the way it starts with those drums. You can't... Right. It's got your attention from the first note.
1: Yeah. And even, you know, King of Limbs, like I said, you know, the first listen I had was really exciting for me. And it was, like, overwhelmingly beautiful. This one was... Yeah, it was like... It didn't click the first time. Like there were lots of little things that I noticed that I I just thought, "Oh, that's awesome. That's great." But it took it took a little bit um, extra work. But how about um, after putting some of that work in, Darren? Did you uh, start to love it?
2: I was definitely very slow to really like it. Um, I still hesitate to honestly say that I like deeply love it. You know, it's it's Radiohead. So like, unlike other bands, I'm going to give them so much more benefit of the doubt and, like, give them so many chances to really, like, get into it. And um, I started to piece some of the songs together, and some of the things started to jump out to me that I was really interested in. But as a whole, as in a complete album, and, of course, we'll, we'll talk about, like, different comparisons and stuff, I definitely love this one less than a lot of the others.
0: Yeah, I could see that. It's definitely not my favorite album of theirs. But, again, my sixth favorite Radiohead album is still, like, a pretty high score. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, let's you know. Let's try to describe the sound. What makes it kind of a, a tough listen?
0: I think it's it's like very dreamy, it's like very ethereal. It kind of, and I think that ethereal, dreamy sound tends to like kind of make songs and, and albums like become background when it's like that. It's yeah. it's not like like 15 step grabs your attention from the first note, and uh, this album doesn't have anything that's like a a big catch. It's, it's all, all the songs are kind of slow and and slow burners, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's strange that burn the witch, um, comes first. And
0: which is it just because did they purposely want the track listing to be in alphabetical order?
1: I mean, the flow of the album you know works really well it does right. is it just a coincidence Seems is like it, it. Did I mean, they name
0: the songs you never I mean, know. True love waits has been a song since 1995 my so.
1: my guess is that they started putting it together realized it was so far in alphabetical order and
0: just kept it that and way. then
1: yeah and then just kind of worked with that yeah i guess i guess you're right dan about it being kind of dreamy and easy to recede into the background mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but what, what would you say, Darren? Why, why was it tough?
2: I mean, I, I think of it as
1: like listening to
2: poetry, I guess. And, you know, sometimes when you you read a really good poetry or poem, um, you know, maybe you'll, you'll pull something out that's like has some grand, deep meaning. But I think a lot of poetry d- doesn't do that. It's just... Beautiful for what it is, and you just kind of appreciate it for what it is. And a lot of these songs seem like that. And Radiohead's never, or Tommy York's never been the one, been one who's like very, you know, on the surface or very upfront about whatever it is he's wanting to talk about. You know, I, I don't really come to li- to listen to Radiohead because of the, like specific lyric lyrical content, you know what I mean? Although I know that in the Pitchfork review it talks kind of about, like, he's separated from his partner, so, like, maybe there's, like, a personal side coming out here, but... Yeah.
1: I mean, I felt like it sounded extremely personal, and... I'm the kind of person that every time I hear that one of my favorite artists like suffers some devastating loss, I get really excited for the oh. upcoming Depressed album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, You know, like Nick Cave of you know.
0: Montreal. And I'm constantly hoping <laughs> yeah. every time he breaks up with Nina.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I remember you know kind of following that and uh, selfishly uh, getting excited about how dark this one was going to be, but actually, I wasn't prepared for how like deeply personal it was going to sound it's very it's it is not like typical radiohead which is more about like the human condition usually and i think this is still trying to do that but it's just framed in such a personal way where you know you feel like you've got this window into like the soul of sort of like a damaged or just sort of hurt human being um in this particular moment and I think that makes it tough because the lyrics are really upfront. I'll tell you what—what what my struggle with it was, you know, was I am kind of missing the band here a little bit. Yeah. Um, honestly, my my the way I would sum this up is, you know, every time timer comes out with a solo thing, everybody says, "Come on, Tom, just bring it to the Radiohead guys and let them fill in the the instrumentation for you." Uh, and this is what I feel like this record is like. It feels like. If Tom had just done what everybody wished he had always done, and as we all thought, it's really great. It's not the best Radiohead's ever done, but it's like a Tom solo record that he let the band kind of build build up. Do you guys think that's fair?
0: Yeah, I can see that. It is like because the Eraser is like okay, and and this is like if the Eraser was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but. I yeah, there's that.
2: really yeah. nothing on the record that I think of the other bandmates mm-hmm. like I do on others. Like there's moments in other records where like, oh, Johnny Greenwood is like, mm-hmm. you know, going in like I can't believe that what's happening, or the bass line is like amazing. You yeah, know? Just, like the
1: drums on right. on uh, King of Limbs are or, like right. endlessly amazing
2: just leaving ed out as (laughs) you know
1: when ed does the ooze at the end of uh, weird missions he's the best um you know so yeah so i think you're totally right there's nothing that i that i hear that like blows my mind musically and to me that is crazy because every radiohead release has like actually shocked me just listening to the instrumentation of it Mm -hmm. and here it's like there are just tracks where you know, like, the guitar is quite simple, I think, and not, like, it's not mind-boggling. It's, like, a lovely accent to the melody of the thing. Are there any instrumentation moments that stand out to you, um, Dan?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the strings in uh Burn the Witch, the, like, percussive strings are uh, are very nice, and I was kind of hoping when that song came out that that would kind of be on the album a bit more, and... Mm. I-
1: so yeah, that was lots a little of, disappointing, but lots of strings, but not not in that same yeah, strings. that
0: percussive type.
1: But you know, frankly, the piano stands out most of the time, right? Yeah. Tom's piano. I mean, maybe Johnny's playing some of it. I know he he played the piano on Karma Police, but um, you know, that's what makes it feel so like personal, so much about Tom is that it's it's always the piano that kind of delights me, like on um, you know, like on Dex Dark, I think, like there's some like piano flourishes you know and of course the bass is is pretty nice on the track but i think the piano is the star i love like on daydreaming that piano line it slowly like becomes it gets like an electronic kind of synthy sound on it but it you know it's still just that little that little melody that little circular melody um so not a lot of big flashy moments but you know are there any like highlights just as songs for you guys
2: um, I, I definitely love the song like Full Stop and uh, Glass Eyes and I think Full Stop if if correct me if I'm wrong, but there's there's a moment in there that sounds like Radiohead, like the whole band is playing and like the guitar really like kinda swells and it, it's only like towards the end of the song where they really kick into something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and what about you? Yeah, I,
0: I think Dex Dark is like one of the best Radiohead songs, at least in, in, in recent times. That that song is, is super rad. And, uh, and while we're talking about songs, True Love Waits, finally yes. making an album. That was first played in, I think, either 94 or 95. So, yeah. uh, you
1: know, yeah, what do that you guys, song can
0: drink by now.
1: What do you guys uh, make of that? Like, it, it's, it's like a pared down version. It's, it's like,
0: almost like not fun to
2: have the official True Love Waits because... Yeah. We've been waiting for so <laughs> long. Oh my god! You know, actually, I I really love this track. I mean, I think it's it's probably one of the best moments on the entire album. Kind of sums up that whole personal. I mean, it, it, there's a whole new element added to it because of this with whole, the the story, yeah. right? With everything that's going on with Tom and everything, and regardless of obviously the song has been written for a very long time, but it just takes on a whole new meaning when you approach it like that.
1: Yeah, I mean that that is really interesting. But it, it, it's a very sparse, like kind of. Almost solo piano in a way version of the track. Um, do you guys think this is a good time to jump into comparing it to the other albums? Because I cannot stop thinking about videotape when I hear this song.
0: It is. It yeah. is sort of like a a companion to videotape. I think videotape's a little better, but it does have that that videotape vibe for sure.
2: Um, I mean, I mean that song. Uh, True, Love, True Love Waits, obviously, videotape, even motion picture soundtrack have this, like, very, like, end of the world, end of life kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I think they all work well. I mean, I I, I wouldn't necessarily
1: try to compare videotape. Is that what you were going for, Gabe? I mean, it's weird because, you know, I was very much, like, I was a Radiohead, like, obsessive around the time of In Rainbows, um, you know, where I would, like, I was watching um, every... Clip that would emerge from them Mm -hmm. playing shows, Mm -hmm. and I would like you know put them or like save them as MP3 files and listen on my on my phone and stuff. Or you know I don't think it was iPhones (laughs) at the time. It was like iPod (laughs) Nanos (laughs) or something. But but I would listen to them for real. And you know, videotape was a the first time they played it was a song that built in intensity, and the whole band came in.
2: Yes, and it was
1: like classic kind of Radiohead. And just classic anybody closing track it felt like and it was really surprising to hear that fu- that final version and i've mm-hmm. always really thought about the sparseness how they like just took everything out of it except for just like its core which is almost like to me i think it shocked a lot of people but it was more like gut-wrenching and more emotionally powerful because it was so sparse and just that weird little like again you know on a moonshade pool i feel like i instantly get and could probably duplicate like almost every sound on there but you know like even on videotape you know that like weird wind up like the Mm -hmm. drum sound is like so strange like i don't you know i don't know what the hell that is but it's amazing right it's an amazing sound um but for me personally you know i'm going a little bit out of order but i was thinking about um in rainbows all the time while i was listening to this Were you guys
2: Yes, I actually, after listening to this uh, "A shaped pool a couple times, like, I immediately went back to In Rainbows and was just, like, floored, like, all over again, because, you know, kind of similar to what you guys were talking about, like... Back in 2007, you know, we were all, I was like a huge Radiohead fan. And I
0: think it's the peak of all three of our fandoms.
2: Yeah, fandom exactly. Here. So we had missed, we had, we'd had. probably come in right after Hail to the Thief had come out. So we basically missed all the big releases before that. And, you know, the lead up to In Rainbows was huge. I mean, oh my God, they're going to, they're releasing this album for free or you can pay yeah. whatever you want. It was, it was incredible. I remember staying up super late, listening to it like three or four times before going to bed. And just being like knocked out. I mean, even after listening to all of these tracks, that, you know that they were playing live, I was just completely blown away. And it was a feeling that, like, you know, obviously didn't didn't happen with the King of Limbs, and even to a lesser extent, did not happen with with this album. So, like, I, I kind of come back to in rainbows a lot when I listen to this to this a moon shaped pool, and you know the comparison. I mean, there's just it's there's no comparison really in, between the two.
0: I agree, and I, and I think. I think in Rainbows is is definitely my favorite radiohead album. I think it's I think it's the best one. Wow.
1: I mean, it's it feels like that one that's gonna be like a sticker on every album. Best sense in rainbows. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. But, although this is really this is really um, getting a lot of critical acclaim, so I'm not so sure, but in rainbows feels like a classic and yeah, it blows you away. And even stuff like uh, Desert Island Disc on this record feels like an attempt to redo uh, Faust Arp, from yeah. you know, like yeah. the sweet yeah. little acoustic, like kind of like weird, mystical sounding melody, you know that on in rainbows. I mean that song is gorgeous on in rainbows, and I think it falls a little bit flat on a moonshade pool. I think it's a little bit, you know, just not not as not as exciting. It's a little bit like you know, being a, a longtime Radiohead fan, you sometimes will hear that Tom has performed a new track at a you know an acoustic set for global warming or some something like that. And you'll listen to it and it, it, it never sounds like that good. Every time it never sounds that good. Yeah. And then sometimes you hear that song pop up later in a studio setting or with the full band live and you're like, damn! But this is like it, it feels like one of those songs that just nothing was changed. Like it's still just in that yeah, state. Ed
0: didn't get his hands on it <laughs> <Good> secret <laughs> genius Ed.
1: Where would you guys rank this new record in your top favorite Radiohead albums of all time.
0: Well, I guess the easiest way to be, my favorite is In Rainbows. Mm. And then I, I think after that it's probably OK Computer, Kid A. I think just kind of out my mood, those could switch. And then uh, I like Amnesiac after that. And then I think Moonshade Pool is probably fifth. So it's kind of in the middle. Cause they have nine albums, so it's kind of squarely in the middle of the middle of the road Radiohead album, I think.
2: Hmm. And I mean, that, you know, that shouldn't take anything away from a moon-shaped pool. It's it's definitely a good album. being the second worst Radiohead
0: album is like still like an eight and a half or something. Right. I
2: mean, we're talking about a band, a -a one-of-a-kind band here that, you know, of which there are no other bands that exist like this. When
0: we're old, this will be our dad rock this will be our <laughs> our led zeppelin you know yeah
2: i mean you know trying to trying to line up the radiohead albums are just very similar to like trying to line up beatles albums you no, know exactly I mean? yeah. there's no doubt i didn't about want that.
0: to go that Far, I but mean, that's it what just, I just, <laughs> yeah,
2: so like for me, I mean, Kid A is always probably always going to be at the top of my list um, for lots of different reasons. But then in rainbows, okay, computer, amnesiac, honestly, King of Limbs comes in at five for me. I mean, I, I do, I do like that record a lot. After that, I would put a moon shaped pool and then
1: wow, so a moon shaped pool below the King of Limbs, yeah, that's uh, a that surprise, you Dan.
2: I put it just
0: one above it, so
1: yeah. Okay.
0: I could see it. i yeah.
1: trying to digest that. I mean, to me, it's like, I find it really hard to be OK Computer, frankly. that That's probably my favorite. You know, after that, it's got to be Kid A. Although, like, on certain days, depending on the weather and, like, the atmospheric pressure, Kid A kind of, like, goes above OK Computer. Um, below those two is In Rainbows um, for me. And, you know, but, like, from three to four is a big... Like a much bigger jump. Those three are like definitely. three, I think, of the best albums just ever made. After that, probably do something like Amnesiac and then A Moonshade Pool after that. And I definitely love this record, A Moonshade Pool, um, but it just doesn't feel as, you know, just not as mind-boggling as, um, as some of those other records. Did you guys go back and listen to some of these classic records in preparation for this?
0: Yeah, I listened to uh, everything. Except Pablo uh, over over the past uh, week week and a half, and yeah, my feelings like really haven't changed. It, but in rainbows is just it's the best to me. It's just so catching.
1: Yeah, I, I I went back and listened to them. I you know I I'm in Florida, like I said, and made like a seventeen hour drive, and <laughs> just got to listen to, like every radio album multiple times, and um, you know, and and that was actually quite pleasant. And I, I was like kind of. Reblown blown away, like you were mentioning, Darren, by in rainbows. Um, it just in contrast to a moonshade pool, there's so many sounds that I can't even like wrap my head around. Like the crunch of the bass on Body Snatchers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is like you know, just a simple, it's just it's basically just a distorted bass, but. The way they've done it is like incredible. You know what I mean?
0: And I you know how they have that second disc in the in the box yeah. that first came out. I I love that second disc. Even I wish that was like just kind of officially a part of the album. Yeah, just because like bangers and mash is like yeah the most banger track. It's <laughs> there so are good. a lot of gems. I wish that me. was I wish that was stuck on there.
2: I mean I don't know. I I love the ten track in rainbows. I mean I think it. I yeah, think it's perfect, perfect honestly. I, I there's really no weak points on that entire album and there are just so many like moments where you're you know like you're getting goosebumps and just you know blown away. I mean you have nude, you have ar- arpeggi, uh you know Reckoner, House of Cards. I mean and you know I kind of think about like you know these songs were like played extensively live mm-hmm. before they sat down and recorded this and I don't know whether or not that had anything to do with how great the album ended up sounding. But this, but in Rainbow sounds like a record that the band, you know, took all the time that they needed to get I, it right.
0: I think when you wrote test songs, I think for a lot of bands, and maybe even most bands, it, it works. I mean, just playing something every night for months and months, you're going to get better at it and you're going to find, oh, you know, I like this part, but. It, yeah. Now it's bothering me to change it a little bit. And really, Moonshape Pool, minus, you know, True Love waits, and I think they played uh, a couple of the other ones, but they definitely weren't played, like, every night right, or anything, right. right? So this one isn't nearly as road-tested.
1: Yeah. It's a very different process, and I don't think that would work for every album. Like, I right. think Kid A benefits. Well, right. yeah, that's like yeah. a
2: studio. Yeah. It's, it's like... The Sergeant Peppers, you know, yeah, you can't. that was a painful recording experience, if I recall uh, the way Tom York had described it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was hard, and I think Radiohead doesn't get a lot of credit for being like just one of the best tightest live bands there is. Yeah, they
2: really are
0: great
1: live. You know, they just feed off each other each other's energy so well, and you know, in Rainbows really thrived because it, it worked in that sense. And, you know, that's just to say that I don't think that works for every album, but I think it would have worked here. I think you're actually exactly right that I think this album, A Moonshade Pool, could have benefited from more feeling it out, more road testing, more like, you know, sometimes it, it frankly just feels like maybe Johnny doesn't know what to do. Or maybe, maybe he's smarter than us and just knows like, oh, this is kind of like a fully formed song of Tom's and I should just kind of accent it a little bit.
0: Sometimes stepping back is... Yeah. Less is more, yeah. but
1: you can feel like I always, I always get this sense on in rainbows that you know, how, like almost all the songs kind of transform by the end a little bit, mm-hmm. or that album it has like one trick. It's like a one trick pony, but it's like a fucking great trick. Like yeah. you know, take this song, this really an excellent song to begin with, and somehow at the end, like amp it up and just like twist the twist the melody into something new, um, and just like let the band like jam it out kind of and it works so well actually um this album you know was just more like there wasn't that room it was like he came with the songs finished and they they added to him a, a little bit
2: yeah and i mean i don't want to read too much into it but it does seem like the band as individuals maybe were busier than they may have been back when they were recording in rainbows i mean you know johnny greenwood is doing a lot of different side projects and stuff so in you know i think phil selway had said like okay yeah we scheduled some time yeah. at this he, part of the he year he had a solo album and yeah like, so it just seems like they were like all right we're gonna take these two months and we're gonna knock an album out no matter what you know so yeah they, i can imagine them just getting there and running through these songs that tom probably had yeah you know mostly completed so
1: yeah, and um, you know another thing that I I learned kind of on that long drive was sort of developed a like a newer appreciation for Kid A. It's like never an easy album, but it, it feels so prescient now. You know what I mean? It just like predicts oh my god the world today, yes. unlike anything I've ever yes. heard. Yes,
2: absolutely. Like I, I listening to OK Computer, I kind of mentioned to you guys off the record but um you know I talked about how fitter happier just felt like it was like the story of my life so, like right. you know growing up like when Made we were younger prices. when we were younger <laughs> listening to the record you know it had a totally different meaning but it's taken on something totally different that I feel like My God, I cannot believe that this record came out in 1997 because it it could have come out yesterday and and fit right in.
0: With Fitter Fitter Happier uh, in high school, I tried to be super edgy and get that into the the graduation
2: video. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: it, it hit the cutting room floor. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it was closing up. Would you guys agree with the score on this one?
0: Yeah, I think 9.1, it's not the best Radiohead album. It's certainly not the worst. It's pretty middle of the road, as far as Radiohead goes, but uh nine
2: point one is kind of yeah. the middle uh, score for a radiohead record. that's true um, you know if you're if you're gonna say obviously that the big three we just we've been talking about are tens, you know, I hesitate to want to give this a nine point one only because and I wouldn't go too far lower but than that maybe an eight point seven eight point six. Um, I don't have a lot of issues with this with this album. It's just that you know, you can we they they have so much they have such a huge body of work that are incredible albums from before that so it 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 really makes it difficult to say yeah this one is like point nine points away from like a kid a eh? and it just doesn't feel like right. that to me so i would definitely lower it just a little bit but definitely at best your music no doubt
1: yeah i mean i think i think i, I kind of agree with you almost exactly let would say something around an 8.5 or something like that thanks for
0: listening and uh we'll be back with you with a brand new episode of pop shield in one week feel free to email us you can do that pop shield pod at gmail.com and uh, follow us on social media all that stuff is at pop shield pod and we'll see you
1: in one week you <laughs>